0: Ladies, gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, welcome to Trope Trophies with your host, Stephanie and Jotty. In this podcast, Jotty and I will be exploring tropes and pinning two characters or stories against each other. We will bring a brief summary of the trope, then we'll have three rounds to prove to you, the listener, that our character should be the winner. Super important to remember this podcast is filled with spoilers. So if you're interested in any of the characters or stories mentioned in this podcast, pause the episode and go watch Perfect Blue and Sailor Moon Eternal, parts one and two. Now, without further ado, this week the trope is Mirror Monster. Oh. <gasps>
1: Mirror Monsters, I, 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 speaking of monsters, what I've been watching lately, this whole weekend, I don't know if, like, the whole Netflix series, trilogy movie, The Fear Street by R.L. Stein. it was adapted from one of his books, Fear Street, that trilogy, it was, like, not scary, but it was super creepy, super bad word, effed up in every kind of way,
0: I so, was psychological so horror.
1: I mean, it was a psychological horror. I mean, this is a podcast filled with spoilers, right? Beyond spoilers? Right. Like, do I spoil this Beyond too?
0: spoilers. It's safe to know if you are a listener, you don't mind spoilers.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to have to spoil the story, but it was just about this um, town that was being sacrificed to Satan. Basically, Satan would embody killers and kill people innocent people and use their blood. And it was like this town curse that was happening for three generations. And they were able to find a way to end it. And a lot of twists and turns and so many, like it starts off with the present, then it goes back in time. And then it takes you 300 years back in time. But I think what was interesting about it was like the core of the story was about a queer love queer love between two women and they actually make it through and stay alive and no one gets hurt. Well, People die, but like not them. And it's just tearjerker here. Okay. It was just a really good story. I mean, it's horrific when it comes to the gore, but it's not like psychologically mind bending, like these stories that we're about to tell, but yeah, it was a really good, Watch. That's what I've been watching. That's what I remember. And this is what I'm traumatized about. I had a really creepy nightmare about people staring at me
0: in the window. I don't actually know how you keep putting yourself in situations like that, knowing, like, the key word Satan was in it. Like, you hate that shit. I didn't
1: know, Stephanie. They were just showing (laughs) weird signs, people dying. I'm like, okay, there's some vengeful witch ghost because that's what the story is narrating for like the first two movies like oh there's an evil witch that's like capturing people's souls and blah 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 i'm like damn okay evil witch be out here like sabrina okay
0: i think that also is like a worse comparison right because sabrina also touches on Satanism, but like that's what i'm saying you know.
1: evil like sabrina because sabrina was doing the seven miracles but in reverse with her witchcraft shit coming the antichrist itself so yeah listeners i don't watch that okay sabrina not my cup of tea i would say sabrina's more horrifying than fear street though just to put it out there when it comes to like demonic satanism sabrina's worse but fear street was just creepy because it's like you don't know why things are happening and why so many people are dying and how it just happens like it was just you're confused until you understand what's going on but yes that is what i've been watching i've been you know fucking myself up ever since I've watched this movie. What about you, Steph? What have you been indulging in?
0: So I recently just bought Judge Me. Judge Me Hard, guys. Judge Me Super Hard. I just bought Pokemon Shield. (laughs) It came out in 2019, but my brain was just like, I can't do this right now. And then inspiration hit and was just like, just get back into Pokemon. Just get back into Pokemon. So That's where I was at. I I beat the game in, like, 25 hours. I didn't spend, like, an entire day playing the game and then one extra day. It was, like, increments of time, but a total of 25 hours. And when did you buy this game that you've already completed? Sunday. Sunday. Do you realize
1: there are 24 hours in a day and it's Monday? No, 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 no.
0: Last week, Sunday. Oh, okay. But, like, it felt like the other day. And everyone was just like, how did you beat this game so fast? It's like, I wish you understood how much of a speedrunner I actually am. I'm fucking Ash Ketchum, y'all. Like, I'm not exaggerating any means. I caught six Pokemon and was just like, these are the six that are going to lead me through the championships. That's what I did. (laughs) The first six I got was the only six I got. I remember this Pokemon's name, but you'll know what it is. I have the Ram Sheep Pokemon. It's so cute. And I called it Lamb Chop because it was a lamb. I just wanted to reference Lamb Chop. And there was an episode of The Nanny, too. Yeah, And I do like Lamb Chops, too. Because, you know, Lamb Chop guest starred in the nanny in one episode, you know. So I'm referencing, referencing, referencing. So, but like, on top I had. References. Right. But my Pokemon had like the funniest names. I had one called Yipper. I had another one called Blue. I had one called Aggie. I had another one called Rook. It was more like, a, what's this Pokemon's name? I'm going to call it something. I'm gonna call it something similar to its name. That's just who I am. So I'd be calling them little things like Pelucha. Peluche. I even call them plushie, but like plushie's inside the boxes, so I never got to play plushie. But you know, they be fine, they live. So that and um I watched Canada's drag race from like start to end that i did within 24 hours because i only had a 24-hour pass y'all we've and been so, on
1: that. we've been on that drag race
0: binge so i speed run the bit that bitch but like Listen, it was fucking worth it if y'all have nothing to watch i
1: don't know what it is but drag race is so entertaining i don't really oh, binge watch need- shows but i've been watched like four seasons of that but you need to see canada
0: You need to see
1: Canada. I know. I really want to see Canada because I want to see Paranka because she's been mentioned a lot. She's been name dropped. And I'm like, who is this creature? I must know.
0: You know why I love Canada so much? Because they live and destroy the stereotype of what Canadian is. (laughs) Because they're so catty. They're so bitchy. And I'm just like ooh, but at the same time they're like super nice and like super humble at the same fucking time and, and so like, supportive. Oing. Yeah, and then it's just like oh my god, girl, pick a side, pick a side. But no, don't, don't. I love it. I'm <laughs> like, what are you? Are you a bitch? <laughs> like, or are you a nice person? Right. I'm like, are you overly sensitive because of the competition, and you're actually generally a generally good person? The answer is yes. But I'm just like, okay, why did you just say that? Like. Was it they were literally was a, a fight about nothing? I mean, like a fight literally about nothing, and all the girls were aching it all because they're like, Keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting. So, you know, board obviously, bored, and board. then you know, it helps like distract the competition, but it was like literally a fight about nothing. <laughs> you know, it's just like, Canada, how or. Like, look, like I now learned why Canadians say sorry. I say sorry because I don't want to deal with the problem anymore and I just want to fucking move on. That's why we say sorry. And I was like, oh, that's why you say sorry. Understood. I think that's an American thing too. If you ever no, get to that. No, it's not. If you get if to you that. Get to th- I know America, this is a very long segment, but in, <laughs> I feel like in America, you say, sorry and then you don't actually apologize in canada they say sorry and then they fucking drop it
1: oh yeah no america's like sorry that you feel that way
0: or sorry but this is what actually happened and that's why i said the thing i said and in canada it's just like i'm sorry and then like in the other room it's just like i said sorry because i wanted to say the fucking end so like move the fuck on right and i'm like oh, <laughs> oh understand and then I bought three other video, uh, two other video games out of my three that I bought that day. I haven't started uh, them because got lots of games to do. I do, I do. I cut off the word CJ. Don't mention that, bro. Um yeah, I
1: was like, let's cut that part off. <laughs> no yeah, name dropping up in here. No name dropping. Only names that's dropping is me and wait jari that's me and stephanie and whatever people we're talking about the characters in these shows okay let's just get into the segment all right so this week's trope again is mirror monster just to reiterate
0: mirror monster okay so we are going to use the handy dandy tv trope definition okay so as reads through a mirror there really is just a pain of glass pan. and silver or pain. Pan. pain i'm not even wearing glasses that's why pan pain i think it's pain let's just start over okay throughout a mirror though a mirror is just a pane of, gl- of glass and silver in fiction it could become a gateway something terrible can come out or something terrible could try and suck you in a Mirror Monster, it could be an image only visible in a mirror. It could be a ghost fettered in the world of the living by a mirror. It could be something that that witch comes out of a mirror or communicates via mirror. The key thing this trope is the horror is directly connected to the mirror itself. So, I mean, a lot of classic examples would just literally be like, Double gangers or, like, literal monsters from D&D. That's the idea of the troupe. But, you know, I'm not going to go first because I already did the introduction. So we're going to go round one and giving that over to Jotty.
1: Round one. Background on the character. I will be discussing Perfect Blue. And if you guys, if you know, you know. All right. That's all I want to say. This movie has disturbed me mentally on two occasions as a full adult, okay? But besides on that, I'll touch on that later on. I'm just going to talk about the background of the character. So the story is based off this ex-pop singer, Mima, and we're introduced to her as like a main vocalist for a pop group called Cham. And they're pretty popular, but not that popping yet because they ain't reaching charts, but they got fans though. And she got a stalker. We love that. Um, And she works with the agency and she's decided to no longer pursue being a pop star and she wants to get into acting. She gets into acting and she has to make a lot of difficult choices in her career that basically is polar opposites from her pop singer voice. Because, you know... Being a pop singer back in the day, because this movie is from 97, you're a Britney, okay? You're innocent. You're cute. Oops, I did it again. Kind of vibes, you know? I ruined your heart crushed it, but like, I'm cute though. And her role as an actress, she takes on difficult creative decisions that opposes her pop icon persona and Cham, including modeling naked in a show that she's working on. She has to do a rape scene, and one of her managers is very opposed to all these changes. As she begins to lose her pop idol idea of herself, she begins to also lose herself as well. And the story is based in Tokyo. It's very interesting. It's a mind-bender of a movie, and yeah, I think that's the most I can go into about Mimo without going into the trope. Or Mima Mimarin. Listen, I'm going to be butchering these names, just so
0: y'all know. Stephanie. Me too, because my character is not a real person. (laughs) Does not have a real person name. So, surprise to no one, I'm going back to my roots, back to Sailor Moon. And so, we're going to be talking about Queen Helena. Forgive me, y'all. I can't pronounce nothing. Like, English is, like, my my first language, but I still be acting like it's not. Is Um, it our first language? I think Spanish was
1: our first language. And then we were like, let's do English more. And then we don't know how to do either of the two perfectly.
0: Just just lost and confused in our world. Literally lost in translation. That's That's the epitome of us, okay? Yeah, I have no idea how to pronounce it. So Queen Helenia the Queen of the Kingdom of the Dead Moon. And she's the main protagonist of the Sailor Moon Super S and the main protagonist of Sailor Moon Eternal Movies Part 1 and 2. And she's also in the original manga in the Dead Moon arc. So, you know, she's just a very present villainess. So I'm going to just give you guys a very fair warning. And I guess the movie are like completely different from each other. The movie is more true to the manga for obvious reasons. The anime version, though, fucking free license that shit. Like, I don't even know how the creator Sailor Moon felt like when she was just seeing that live. She's like, that isn't what I fucking wrote. That isn't what I fucking wrote. <laughs> it's like, what I fucking wrote. What the fuck is
1: this? I feel like that happens so, a lot when it comes to like manga to like television show or film.
0: I get it. Sometimes you, you have to change it so that it translates well into screen, so the story is more engaging. But, like, let's be honest here, if you made it into a movie, then it was engaging enough. Mic drop. I kind of don't know how deep I want to get into this, but basically, during the eclipse, the dead Circus comes into Earth, and their goal is to destroy the planet. Whoopie the fuck do What a surprise. That seems to be everyone's goal, with fucking Sailor Moon. And so her gimmick though is circus and so there are like amazonian um, quadruplets like there's four of them y'all like forgive me this He's makes like we got like, here riffing. yeah we got not really but like you could watch this movie to get into like better understanding of what i'm actually saying The thing for her character is that she is, the queen is, like, stuck inside of the mirror, like, almost the entirety of this this whole movie. Like, she is in this mirror. She's in this mirror because she did some fucking shady-ass shit, which I think is hilarious. Honestly, let's explain it like this. You guys watched Sleeping Beauty, right? So remember when Maleficent came in, and they were like, you weren't invited to this kid's baptism? And Maleficent was like, I wasn't What? The exact same situation happened. In the manga and in the movie, the exact same situation happened. It was like, you didn't invite me, bitch. And you're going to lock me inside of a mirror? Fine. Your daughter's going to die before she even takes the throne. Snap. And it was like, what? Literally, that's exactly what happened. Um, Serenity dies, and the silver millennium all fucking perishes, and everyone is just like, no. And she's like, gotcha. But like, I'm not done because I know y'all still alive. So where the fuck are y'all? So I can officially kill, kill y'all. We don't do reincarnation here. It's all or nothing. And I'm just like, eh. that is the manga and the movie version of it. But for the anime version, it was just kind of like, not bitch for you to just banish you inside of this mirror because, you know, all you care about is your looks. So, and she's like, what? So she got banished out of a mirror. At the end of the day, this queen is is in a fucking mirror. <laughs> her whole identity is revolving around a fucking mirror. From what we know of her. Is that, Again, how, is that how we're introduced to her, though? Inside of a mirror? Yeah. yeah. She's inside of a mirror the entire time. Damn. Yeah. It sucks to be a bitch. <laughs> it sucks to be a bitch. Okay, so now we're up to round two. What? So explaining the character in the lens of the trope, we Nahela we're getting there, y'all. She is inside of a mirror from like beginning to end. So again, like she's the queen of the dead of the dead moon. And I just want to say it like this. So I'm using a lot of Disney references. So come at me. So you know in the Lion King where Mufasa just says everything the the light touches is yours to Simba, and Simba's like, what's about that shadow place? And Mufasa's like, no, we must never go there. That's basically it. That's basically how it is everything in the silver millennium is serenities it is light it is pure it is everything as soon as queen Nell comes and it's just like hey bitches and everybody's just like Put the fuck away you disgusting raggedy darkness opposing force nobody wants you here and she's just like bro so it's just like she literally rules the, king, the part of the kingdom that nobody fucking wants because, I mean, she ruined it. So why would I want to live there? It's dead for a reason. In the anime version, there's mirrors are used so fucking often. In the 90s version, you're trying to find this golden mirror that's supposed to be, like, the most beautiful dream, and that's the dream that Pegasus is sleeping in. So throughout that whole arc, all of her minions and herself are, like, t- forcing people's true dreams to come out to see if they actually have the ideal mirror and most of them fucking know i mean spoiler alert i guess major spoiler it's fucking shibuya who has it and she's like oh she's got the purest dream i'ma take her it's just like oh shit and then she's always inside the mirror like even the crony that she made which is actually a manifestation of how she's supposed to look when she becomes an old woman so like that crony you see that's supposed to like take care of the amazonians her that's a version of her that she made that's like another interesting topic that I'll probably go around three about because I think I think this whole character is very interesting and I don't want to spoil as to why yet but yeah she's definitely the monster behind the mirror because just like you how do you cause so much mischief mayhem and misery and curses onto people when you're just behind a fucking glass and all her attacks have to do around like reflection and like breaking shards and illusions like what are
1: yeah, we doing like, here the main concept of like mirrors are a lot of illusions going in but like so people have to go into a mirror does she have a specific mirror or is she like bloody mary that just pops out of nowhere no she has a specific
0: mirror no oh, okay. in the manga she has a she has a very specific mirror but this mirror fucking transports y'all this mirror be like oh the battle's being moved I'll move my mirror. And it's just like, how do you have so much power instead of mirror? And then her mirror obviously has its own dimension. And it's just kind of like, what? How you do all of this? In a
1: mirror? In a mirror. Okay, so now it's time to do round two. for me, for Perfect Blue, explaining the character via the lens of the trope. So I think Mima's biggest problem is that she's going from the likable, sweet, darling pop singer into more of a celebrated or different kind of role in her acting that she's asked to do. I feel like being an actor, you're asked to do a lot of different things in order to excel, especially being a woman in the industry, you know, you're asked a lot to expose yourself and... To take on harsher roles that can be tough on someone's psyche, I believe to be, anyways. And I feel like Mima begins to lose touch with who she identifies herself as. And I feel mm-hmm. like the mirror in the movie exists in order to separate the ideas of how she views herself and the duality of her public persona especially in the opening scene of the movie. It's like juxtaposed from her performing on stage to her just picking up groceries. There's literally a whole website called like Mima's Corner and it's dedicated to what she's done today. And she has a stalker that literally has written the stuff that she's picked up at a grocery store, like milk, and she is like freaked the heck out. And she's like, there's really this persona on the internet That is me. And I know I'm being stalked because it's like, I'm not writing this stuff, but it's so crazy that this person is me. And I feel like screens and anything that has a reflection of yourself is viewed as a mirror a lot in this film. And she's just super creeped out. She even gets a freaking fact message that makes her even more uncomfortable. And she's being stalked by some guy that is always in her shoes, and it's up to the point since so she's changing her persona so much that people are like sending her mail that had the explosion to it where somebody got hurt from it. And she's just like, what the heck? She starts to lose touch with herself because she'll look in the mirror and she'll see her pop icon self telling her that she's a fraud and she's not really who she is. And She's like, I'm still real. I exist. And you're not a real person. You're just a slutty Actress and she goes on chasing this idea of herself that doesn't exist, especially when she has one of her managers, Rumi, saying, Like, oh my god, do you really want to take in these roles? Especially when it comes to like doing the rape scene that Rumi was like really against. And she was like, You don't have to do this. And even during the filming, that was like the ultimate change of when she became an actress and no longer a pop idol and Rumi got really upset and I keep mentioning Rumi because she is also obsessed with Mima's Tam persona that she thinks that she is Mima it just really is creepy towards the ending and I feel like the mirror just represents Mima losing touch of herself and her identity as her regular life starts bleeding into her work life a lot of the images from her like waking up from her job or she's walking down the street talking to someone and we think it's real. And then later on, we see it on another screen that she was just acting. She can't really separate herself like she did before from her acting life into her personal life, as we saw in the beginning. She starts to have like breakdowns, chasing after people, almost getting hit by cars. Like It becomes a real horror of not knowing who you are and who you want to be seen as. Towards the ending, one of her managers reveals to be like a freaking creeper, and she's literally killed everyone that's destroyed her pop idol image. She's killed the photographer that took pictures of her. She killed the screenwriter who added the rape scene into the script. And she killed the other manager for like pushing her to do all these different roles and publicity things. She really believes that she is Mima. I feel like the horror of of this story is really Mima losing touch of who she is. And it's like, if you don't know who you are, then how do you live? And the mirror monster is who she used to be and her trying to off that side of herself
0: while she's adapting to a new side of herself. So an identity crisis is what I'm hearing. This girl got identity crises.
1: Yes, she does, and she's like the danger of herself. Like she running into cars into the street. She got a stalker. She got another murderer killing anybody. Like she got so much going on. Like it's like anybody would lose their mind, especially when you don't know who you are and all these people around you that's helping you are dying. So this is definitely mainly about identity crisis that, you know, seems like a psychological horror because it is. But then there is actually horrific things happening around her. She's going through it, y'all. It's a horror story. Down to round three. What is the good and bad, or why are they, or why is our characters good slash bad via the lens of the trope?
0: What so about cool. nehelinia I think she is a great Mara monster because she's actually a foil to literally everybody in the Moon Kingdom legacy. So, we have Queen Serenity. She is the, Queen Serenity is the Light. Queen Nahela is the Darkness. Darkness attracts Light. Light attracts Darkness. They are Ying and Yang. It is part of the deal. So, all things are meant to end. So her cursing, like I said, all things are going to end. So it's not as if this curse was, like, true enough sense. But, like, it was kind of a fact that was going to happen. Like, I didn't think as horrific as it happened. But um, it was bound to happen. And then for both her and Sailor Moon, they're both powerful beings. But their method of power is opposite. Yeah, it's so right like, from,
1: like, different
0: sources. Yeah, I mean, listen, Usaki's biggest power is the power of love. Like, there's a reason the English people made a song called The Power of Love. You've got to believe in the power of love. I have because no memory. Because love is what... You have no memory of this song? I don't recall. I
1: remember, like, hearing The Power of Love, but you singing it still recalling no memory to me.
0: Wow. Oh. So... You have to create power and you create power with love. Love, like is always the answer. Meanwhile, this woman here, Nahala is just like, I'm going to destroy everything because nothing should exist. But like major spoiler, she's actually the manifestation of chaos. That is the reason why everyone seems to come into earth and like try and fucking ruin it. Cause that's the point of chaos is to destroy the balance of things. Cause that's just what it is. That's one foil, um, foil, right? So you have someone who is constantly destroying to ha- to assert their dominance and another one that is loving and is creating the- their abundance. Then we have her foiling um, Chibusa because Queen Nahela's dream is to stay young and beautiful, essentially never to grow up. Her greatest fear is to become an old hag and the version of herself that she uses to enter the real world is her as an old hag. So it's just like, wow, you don't want to be a crone, but like crone you seems to be working it hard, girl. Like, I don't understand. And Chibius's dream is to grow up, to become a young lady. Like, think about it. Like, Chibius is like a a millennia old. Like, this little girl is old and is frustrated that she's stuck within, like, youth. And this lady is, like, older than fucking time is damn self. It's just like, I need, yeah! And refuses to grow up. So, like, that's her whole thing in, like, the anime and in the movie. So in the 90s, it's it's a bit different. But do you think Usagi
1: is forever a kid? Because the purest love kind of comes from either motherly love, I believe, or, like, child. A child's love,
0: too. No, her purest love is her love for her planet. If you watch Silver Moon Eternal Part 2, she explains that the reason why her and Mamoru are, like, together and why their love is so strong is because they have the same dream, and the dream is to protect planet Earth because it's filled with the people that they love. And that's the reason why they were pulled together anyway because she fell in love with the planet Earth as soon as she stepped foot into it. So it's like, yes, her immediate circle is very important to her, but she can see the larger scheme of things. That's her tale. Like she stops being a selfish little crying brat and then starts understanding her purpose in like the grand scheme of things. It's like, as long as there's love, and as long as I know that love exists, then I need to keep pushing forward. And I think it's very important to mention because some people have this weird idea of what femininity is and what feminist is. Usagi's dream is to get married and to have a happy family. And a lot of people would say, like, you should dream bigger and more and whatever, but it's like, if all she wants in her life is a simple, loving life, like, there's nothing wrong with that. She just so happens to be born royalty and has responsibilities, which is why, while she rules... Almost no one fucking dies because everyone's life expectancy goes high. Because she's like, I don't believe in stress. Fuck! I wish I was uh, a resident of the of the new millenni crystal millennia. Like, fuck! I get to live, and I know I'm not gonna be stressed out. The queen's cool. So wrinkle wear? <laughs> what? I have no illnesses. What? Everyone in the royal family is hot. What? I got no complaints. I could restart my life fifteen times. Who's gonna tell me different? I'm be like, remember her, cause she remembers. She she remember more than I remember. I don't even know how long she been ruling this planet, but she got ruled well. To backtrack, in the '90s anime version, it's like Queen Nahala. She became this way because she was basically taught to become a vain person, and. She does a lot of fucking terrible shit, which I'm not going to go into details. She even, like, takes out Shibuya um, Usa from from life. It was like I I'm gonna you were about to say she, she, she took a... her
1: out from the womb. I was like,
0: what? Now, nah, I mean, she made her so that her existence didn't fucking exist. Like, that type of extreme. For it to be revealed that all she really wanted was everything Usagi had. Which is what I'm saying is the perfect foil because it's like Usagi has a lover, friends, even a future daughter. We all know she's going to become the queen. Like, this girl has it all, and I have nothing. And so Usagi being who she is and soft-hearted and blazing redemption and all this stuff, and because it's not the manga, she decides to grant this villain's wish and sends her back in time so that with the knowledge of what she learned in her years of being trapped in a fucking mirror, how to find love and stuff and how to be a good being. I think it's the gray foil because it's just like, in the end of the day, like, no matter what version you look at it, what's really happening is I'm jealous that you're happy and I'm not. And this is who you could have been if you were a selfish little brat or if you were envious or you didn't believe and trust or anyone or you were so... Because I mean, the other thing is, like, everybody calls Sailor Moon soggy, beautiful. Jimmy Usa says jealous at her mom's beautiful figure because... She's the, she's the ideal woman. Everyone knows, like, she'll become the queen. Like, she's the ideal. So it's, like, I am the ideal woman, too. But, like, I'm so fucking vain about it. I'm such a horrible human being about it. Like, who who wants to to <laughs> no one's who willing to give me a chance. No one's willing to give me a chance. Who wants to deal with that? And then, all, yeah. So it's just, like, even, like, the almost the last attack where, like, you know, where Usagi finally has, like, her memory of an event. I don't understand how she would remember. She does a reflection of Usagi's own attack on her while having mirror shards in the attack. So it's it's just always like, she's always just reflecting back onto her exactly what's being fed to her. Like, I'm an asshole. This is your consequences for, for me being an asshole. This is who you could have been but you're not. <laughs> and it's 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 funny because the anime and the manga won't say it like that, but come on, like such major contrast. Like Queen Nahala has dark hair. The people of the Moon Kingdom have white hair. She has sl- slanted cat-like eyes. People in the Moon Kingdom have like these full eyes that don't look human, y'all. They have no pupils. It's just solid color, but it's large. And then Queen Nahalas is like cat-like. There's a lot of Contrast. Our design is much more elaborate, wavy, curly hair. Everyone in the Moon Kingdom has straight hair, and then their design is simplistic. We are doing it. We are literally just being like, You are a foil. You are a foil. You are a foil.
1: Just and I think complete that's rejection of Nihalina uh, as a whole so
0: existence. It, another thing about the mirror is a mirror isn't going to reflect your true self. You are never looking at your true self in the mirror. You're always looking at yourself opposite. I'd be thinking I'm lo- like even the camera right now. Like I'm touching. It looks like I'm touching my right face. I'm really touching my left side of my face. Right? You're looking into this person that's like the exact opposite of you. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist in you, but you have to be aware of it. Is really what I I take from that character. Oh, that sounds just like the issue that Mimo was going through. I mean. Well, would disagree with me and be like you know that was never any of soggy's like issues and like you are correct however it could have been in an alternate universe that no one would want to see
1: i think so i mean i think what you're saying is right though because it's just like what you see in the reflection It'd be like your worst fears it's a mirror monster i'm just going to talk about the good and bad i don't even really view as like mima as a bad character there's nothing that I truly dislike about her because it's
0: just like it's just it's not good and bad if they're a bad character. Is are they good for with the trope?
1: Oh, she's perfect for the trope. There's nothing bad to say about her with this trope, I feel. Sorry for this. I feel like the only thing bad via the lunch of the trope is how like the story was kind of told, which is you have to keep rewatching it to really get or understand what exactly was going on. Because it's like, I watched this movie years ago, and then I watched it again, knowing what happened, but I'm still confused at how we got here. And just a lot of, like, stylistic, directal, um, what is there? Artistic. Interpretation. And there you go. Thank you, Stephanie. Finding the words. Find the words! <laughs> but I think what's interesting about it is just how relevant the story continues to be, how it touches on all of us in a way, how we have our internet personas, and then who we are as individuals living our own lives. And I think what's good about her is that she actually learned a lesson from having like a psychotic breakdown, I would say, is that she learned who she was. And even though her manager is still in her head, thinks that she's Mima from Cham. She still visits her at the mental hospital because she's thankful for that that traumatic experience that she had with her. Because if it wasn't for that, she said that she wouldn't have never known who she was and be confident of who she is and owning herself. Because there's always going to be different identities of ourselves, like of us as kids. Like we're obviously not the same person of us in high school. We're not the same person. Like we're continually evolving. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate between like the person that you used to be. And maybe you like them more. You think there did a better job at being you than who you are today. And I just think Mimo really touched upon all of those aspects. And yeah, she's just like a relatable character in the sense of when you're making different decisions in your life, how sometimes it may feel like you're losing yourself, even though you're going towards the right direction. It's just, you have to learn how to change with time. And yeah, I think it, again, it's still relevant, especially with, it's not just our pop idols now, it's influencers. I remember I was watching an interview with Ariana and she was just saying that like her friends think they know her, but like no one really knows her. And it's the same Ariana thing. Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande said this when she was talking a lot I about mean, like her anxiety and stuff and how she's portrayed in the media. It's just like, OK, well, like people think that's who I am, but I'm not. I'm not always this fierce, sexy queen. You know, I'm having breakdowns. My whole song, Grieve was about having anxiety and not being able to breathe. It just goes to show like, yeah, we may know bits and parts about people, but we just don't know who they are in their mundane lives I mean people just be taking pictures of celebrities in grocery stores and be like oh Chris Pratt put almond milk in his fucking cart like that's the most we're gonna get I know I'm like going into a tangent about this but I just love how this film can just I mean like there's just so much to dissect about identity and life. And yeah I just feel like she does a great job at owning this trope mirror monster I love the psychological to it and to say what I like about your character is that I like how she's the complete opposite of everyone. And she's kind of like an outcast, but an outcast because she put herself there and she's just stuck in a mirror, even though people weren't the people getting their grief. She would like see people's purest dreams and then crush them anyways.
0: I mean, there's a quote that she says, and it sounds inspiring until, you know, until you're like, Ew. It's like, I shall never doubt the power of innocent dreamers. I shall never doubt the power of innocent children. I shall never doubt my worst nightmare. I shall use the power of innocent dreamers. I shall use the dreams of innocent children. I shall preserve my dreams. My worst nightmare will be somebody else's. Yeah, so it's a lot to unpack right there. I'm pretty sure this is from the 90s because it sounds... Coincides with Yeah, both our films are like '90s anime, which
1: I think they had a lot of mirror monsters. I guess they had a lot so, to say back then.
0: They did. They were they were trying to warn us about what society's pressures were, and we didn't understand. And now we're like, fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I feel like another thing about pressure is like Mima brought herself into like a psychotic break because she was adding all this pressure onto herself. Like no one was going that hard. It was just her trying to escape this old ideology of herself. Yeah. Right. And I feel like Nehalina, in the end, also wanted to escape who she became.
0: or Who she will become. Oh, yeah. She didn't want to accept an end. I feel like for some people, like when you're... I mean, I believe this to be true. If you're rushing to preserve your beauty and youth you kind of tend to like scorn it and like waste it and like misuse it i understand how it happens but it's kind of tragic to see it like the people who are always constantly like trying to look younger start looking foolish and start sounding foolish because it's kind of like you haven't accepted one of life's rules and it shows about perfect blue i feel like it's a really good anime i mean it inspired um black swan tremendously even though he
1: denies it the director literally denies it
0: denies. yeah but you know we're gonna ignore that because you can just say that so you don't have to pay anyone dues which i get I
1: by guess. the way i'm not coming for him but i'm slightly gonna say this
0: allegedly <laughs> allegedly i don't want to get sued allegedly
1: allegedly there's really a scene from Perfect Blue, when Mima is in the bathtub and she screams into the water. And the director of Black Swan is also the director of Requiem for a Dream. And there's shot by shot of the same image of Gerald Leto doing the same thing. So as people would like to say, maybe he was subconsciously inspired by Perfect Blue. But, you know, I like to give credit with it, where it's due.
0: He allegedly likes to give credit where it's due. Let's not see the baby podcasters. <laughs> Let us not be sued. We are, we are too baby for that. Nobody puts baby in a corner. <laughs> we are all going through different personas of ourselves at all different times. We're different people with our partners, with our siblings, with our friends, with multiple different types of friends, even environment makes you a different person if you're hungry it makes you a fucking different person compared to if you're you're full so i mean what is hard is to come to terms that you are all these different people at the same time i guess without further ado
1: we can wrap up this episode um yeah so that's mirror monster we had a lot of talk about because this is such like a our topic and still so really relevant and has so many ways to talk about identity and our true selves and our maybe not the best part of ourselves and and we picked a lot of i think we picked interesting characters to really go in 90s anime y'all give yeah. it a chance okay the graphics not maybe the revival. way you want it it's getting a revival here okay everyone watch perfect blue I bought it on Amazon Prime, but you can rent oh, it there. I bought it because okay. I was like, this is a rewatchable point blank period. Who do you think the winner is? Is it Nahalina or Mima? Leave a comment on our Instagram at trope Listeners, if you have any tropes or characters you'd like us to battle, DM us on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. For notifications on our latest episodes, subscribe to our show. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like to follow us on our socials, you can follow me at Jadi Adi at Instagram and Stephanie on all socials as the Bewitching Bard. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Bye.